welcome to Slash Report. I'm MK, and this week Prue is not with us, but I am joined by uh, one of our many partners in crime, Marilyn. Hello! Um, and by a special guest, Flourish from Fanlore. Hello, I'm not actually from Fanlore, but I'm a friend of Fanlore. Really? <laughs> oh, okay, well we asked Fanlore, like, who can talk to us about old school fandom, and they sent us you. That's true. That is what happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you put out, like, a random call on Twitter. You're like, hello, fanmore. <laughs> Can you help us? Well, I'm here. Okay. Um, and this week we're going to talk about old school fandom and all of the shit that a lot of you are probably really lucky to have missed. <laughs> No, good times. I don't know. Good times. I mean, for me. I, I, have, I, have, I mean, everyone has, like, fond nostalgia memories. I, mean, I have fond nostalgia memories for... Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there's still... I'm very glad that I no longer have to go through, like, the crazy modem sound of connecting on, like, a 14-4 telephone. Yeah. Modem. Old school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The good old days. <laughs> Yeah, you know what's actually funny? Uh, that Related to that, something that I always really liked in terms of a weird sort of hallmarker, hallmark of old fic is how they used to, instead of doing word counts, they would um, indicate how big the, like, the, the actual, like, thick file size was. Yeah, they would be Because like, like if a- it was really long and you were on, like, 14-4 dial-up, you needed to know, like, how long it was going to take your fic to load. And that was the relevant information, not how, like, how many words the story was. And occasionally when I've gone back and, like, stumbled across, like, old fic that's still up, I'll be like, wow, this fic is, like, 14K, but it's not the same kind of K that I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was always really mad when people used RTF files instead of just plain text files because it would take extra long to download. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, I might only get half of this file, you asshole. <laughs> I feel like this This is basically just going to devolve into, like, remember that time back when, 10 years ago? <laughs> oh, that was more than 10 years ago. That was yeah. more than 10 years yeah. ago. True. Yeah. That's true. No, you're right. You're right. That was more like 20 years ago. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago, it was like the beginning, like Harry Potter fandom, the, the classic summer of... Of LJ. The beginning yeah, of LJ. Like, the summer of LJ. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, do we want to start, like, you know, like, in the beginning there was zines and then move forward from there? Or, like, how yeah. how far back are we going? Yeah, I think we should start with zines. Flourish, do you want to give us some background on zines? Well, you know, yeah, like, the thing is, if you talk about, like, in the beginning there was zines, actually in the beginning there were amateur press associations, which is not quite the same thing. So, like, way in the, like, 1800s, basically, people came out with this uh, toy printing press, and I have one. It's really cool. It's, like, it makes these things that are about the size of an index card. And uh, basically, this was, like, the iMac of 1870, right? (laughs) So you would buy it, like, you're an upper-middle-class family, you'd buy it for your kid. And then they'd go and they'd make, like, little newspapers. But nobody really knew what a newspaper was yet. I mean, there were newspapers, but they weren't, like, the New York Times today. So... Right. Sometimes they had in them all sorts of crazy stuff, um, including stuff that really looks like fan fiction to us today. Uh, there was this like, uh, series, Oliver Optic, uh, which was beloved of youth at the time, and people would write, like, Oliver Optic, Gary Stews. Um, <laughs> and then, weirdly enough, um, it seems, I don't have 100% uh, confirmation on this, but so then there were these pulps, right, where people were, like, writing in the letter sections about how much they loved science fiction around, the, around right. like, 1900. Uh, and a little later, and uh, it seems that H.P. Lovecraft, I shit you not, was part of an APA, 
Press Association making amateur newspapers, and he introduced this to science fiction fandom. Seriously? Wow. I am serious. Um, Patrick Nielsen Hayden claims that there is a letter that says this. I don't know if... I've never seen the letter myself. It could be apocryphal, but it's pretty awesome, so let's, and, let's make that headcanon. And even if it's not actually... Um, even if there isn't actually a letter, then... It's nevertheless true that Lovecraft, that, that he was involved in APAs and he was involved in early science fiction fandom, so whatever. Amazing. Right? Anyway, seems... so, so then people started doing basically fanzines and, and they would distribute them like APAs at first, um, which is a slightly different system. You like send, you, everybody creates a zine and they send them to a central person and then that person mails out all the rest. Like, yeah. so everybody gets all the other people's zines. And some APAs still exist. In fact, I think that cool. first science fiction app still exists. It's been running for, like, more than 100 years. That seems so unwieldy. Uh, well, it's actually really efficient in comparison to the other things, right? Because, like, all you have is the Postal Service and your little, you know, I mean, I guess it was Mimeograph or Ditto by that point, but... Huh. That's interesting because I don't, I, was, I had always thought that sort of the first... Like early early fan culture was like has always been um, like Sherlock Holmes fandom sort of, but yeah. was that sort of more concurrent with some of this stuff or predated? Yeah, or? I mean, I think it's hard to it's hard to say like one sort of like this happened and then this happened and then this happened, you know? Because certainly there was Sherlock Holmes fandom happening around that time too, right? And they had their own stuff going on. Uh, but the thing about Appa's that's so tempting, right, is that it's like this direct like, very direct line up to zines. It's kind right. of interesting because zines are sort of still happening, but, like, they're dying out more every year. Um, and a couple years ago, I went to Media West, which is, like, a fan convention in the States somewhere um, that doesn't have, like, a traditional dealer's room, but what they do have is a dealer's room where people are selling, like, old Star Trek memorabilia and zines. Like, just <laughs> zines all the time. Well, yeah, I, mean, I definitely remember, like, my, like, even 10 years ago, there were, there was a couple things where every once in a while there'd be people who'd be doing sort of, like, concurrent publishing where you could get something in a zine, and then, like, a couple months later it would go up online. Yeah. But definitely seems to, and it's not something that I've encountered in terms of being, like, the only way you can get this story is via a zine anymore. It's more just, like, if you want to read this really old, like, Sentinel fic, then it never made it online. Then you have to go get a copy from somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah, I will say I think the last right. fandom that, like, was alive, basically, that I have a zine for would definitely be Stargate Atlantis. So yeah, it's I fun. actually I, I I did have a Stargate Atlantis zine that is like the only zine I ever bought in my entire finished existence was an SGA one. So <laughs> I have some Harry Potter zines, but they're all made by people like as nostalgia items, like because Harry Potter was never a zine fan ever, right? But but people still make them. Like there's ones with cute little handcuffs in case you remember Draco Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> And then there's some, like, you know, con things, right? Like, so sometimes people will print up a zine that's just for a con, and you can get it at the con, and it's sort of a memorabilia thing. Right. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. Hmm. Yeah, that can be cute. Like a special event item. Yeah, but it's not the same. So I guess after zines, what happened? Like, how did we... Early, like, proto-internet fandom, or... Yeah. That well, like... you know, I mean... There's sort of a period where zines were cohabiting with everything, right? I mean, obviously there were people on BBSs, and I mean, it's really, it's just really hard at, at a lot of points to say, like, 
this was going on um, because there were there's like old technologies that are happening at the same time as new technologies, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, like in the you know in the early '90s, you have zines being printed at the same t- and, and circulated at the same time as you have people on on Usenet, right? Um, and certainly on BBSs and, and interacting that way. So hold on a sec. Uh, I think we're gonna have to explain both Usenet and BBSs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We have a lot of uh, listeners. So I was not actually around for Usenet, uh, so I'm going to let one of you guys do it. <laughs> I think I think MK should do it since you actually were on Usenet, and I have a very, very not, I was not really on there at all. I was, like, desperate to get anything any way that I could, and Usenet is kind of um, technically a news service, I guess, is the way that your, like, internet provider would have described it at the time. But you would connect, and it would be a series of messages uh, that you could get from different people, and they could attach files to them. But it was extremely hard to navigate, and you had to have these weird addresses, like alt.sailormoon. <laughs> and then it would be exceedingly long. <laughs> Alt.tv.xfiles.creative. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I also, I do remember that it used to actually be, like, a very early, like, file-sharing thing, where you could get, like, if you were trying to find, like, a digital copy of something. Yeah. Like, Usenet, I think, was one of the last sort of, like, before, like, you know, all that shit got locked down. Like, you could get stuff really quickly via that because you could just basically just get a direct message from somebody attaching you. Like, here's, you know, this episode of whatever. It was almost like if you could merge the idea of torrenting with, like, IRCQ downloads. (laughs) Yeah. Together at last. But everything took, like, five days to download. Yes. Oh, right. Well, I think, like, relative <laughs> speed was super relative. Like, now we would look at that and be like, Jesus. But back then, it was, like, lightning. I don't know. Back then, it was like, it only took me two days to download Sailor Chibi Moon's transformation sequence. This is amazing. <laughs> the future. The future's now. Yeah. Um, and actually, I don't really know that much of a BBS either, I have to say, in terms of... So BBS is basically, terms. like, I wasn't I wasn't on them, and I don't actually know that much about fan communities on them, although I'm certain there were, but uh, basically, a BBS was like, a, it was it, it means bulletin board system. There's a really good documentary about them um, by Jason Scott, uh, but um, basically, you would, like, dial into this BBS, and then you could read all the messages there and post your own, but only one person could be there at once. So it really was like a bulletin board. <laughs> That is so cool. I don't know why that's charming. That's charming. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, anyway, I mean, I, don't, I probably just explained it really terribly because this is what I gleaned from other people. It's not really like the period of fandom I work on, as it were. But, uh, uh, but that kind but of used that was sort of later. That leveled up into like regular message boards, right? Yeah, eventually. Which I always found message boards to be the weirdest fucking way to distribute anything, like conversation, whatever, and they're still happening. Like, the mobile read forum is pretty much the only place that you can figure out how to jailbreak any e-reader. But, like, it's a message board, and that's where you have to go. Well, one of the appeals of message boards was that, like, you could sort of kludge it into something, right? Because you could, they were sort of a, um, you know, people made message board stuff, like, and you could just download all the files and, and install it in your web space, and then you had it. So, like, when we were building Fiction Alley, like, we used message boards for comments. Why? Because nobody had made, like, a real, like, fan fiction archive thing yet, and we didn't have, you know, the, the resources to right. actually code it for ourselves. So why not clue your message board onto this thing, right? 
you know, and maybe there would be a form to like submit your fic if they were really fancy, or maybe they would just take it by email, but that was sort of it. There weren't comments. You could send an email to an author. Right. Which seems like, which was, I think was way more intimidating even back then than it would be now. I don't know. But you still did get emails. Like I do, I do sort of miss that, right? Like I remember receiving emails that were like personalized and started with a, you know, flourish comma i loved your fic like it, it felt more special somehow <laughs> yeah sort of like someone had taken the time to like write out a letter to you and put it you know in an envelope and stamped it and mailed it and then as opposed to just like pushing a heart on a website <laughs> <laughs> there were also all sorts of questions then too right like do you remember seeing fix with like do not archive written on them yes first? yes because right, so you would see- like People would just come along and be like, oh, I'm, I have an archive for this particular thing, and I saw your story, and I just, like, stole it and put it on my archive. It was, like, like, was it stealing, right? It was sort of, like, reblogging at a certain Right. I, I'm right. not saying that this was right, but... <laughs> no, it was definitely part of the thing, and I feel like there was some sort of weird, like, you know, some way of, like, we're just trying to, like... It was, like, librarians trying to, like, get all the things for the thing that they liked and put it all in one place... And, like, so they were just, like, well, I'm going to borrow this book, and I'm going to put it in, like, you know, it needs to go in the library with all the other things, and, like, I don't know. And it's not like anyone would ever, it wasn't, like, plagiarizing, because you got credit for it, but. But it was better, so like, when they couldn't link to you, they could just be, like, this is their email address and name. Right. Which is yeah. weird now to think about. You're, like, whoa, don't publish my email address. That's creepy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody needs that. <laughs> We'll say I remember, yeah, like definitely just emailing something into an archive and the archive would only update once a week and it wouldn't list tags or pairings. You just had to like click on every title and figure out what the hell was happening. <laughs> yep. You did not earn it. These days. <laughs> like pairing names, right? Like, I mean, uh, just like prior to name smushing, yes, there was a time prior to name smushing, you know, like, what does MSR mean? Like, people who, like, that was, like, one weird thing that the X-Files fandom had that nobody else did. Like, it's just, that's what it means. Well, that's, like, the reason that I accidentally wound up reading Slash, is because Gundam Wing used a number code. Oh, so you had no idea? I I was like, "Mm, I know some, I think, I figured this out, and then I was like, nope, I have everything wrong, but these boys sure are having sex now, I might as well keep reading. (laughs) That is hilarious. That's actually the best, like, slash introductory story I've heard in a while. I didn't know that was how you got into it. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's math, it looks complicated, I'll just read this anyway. (laughs) Turns out, the times tables mean they're fucking. (laughs) <laughs> living your best yeah. life since 1996 or something like that yep. <laughs> it was also a weird time though because like so right when you have zines and so forth people didn't really like pick up a slash zine that they didn't know what was in there you know what i mean like you would you would like have a zine and there were perk and spot kissing on the cover and if you didn't want that like it was like you know look at this dead dove what did i expect it to be <laughs> <laughs> right sudden like so the way I got really introduced to Slash I mean I'd seen it around but the way that I got involved in reading it was that people in the early Harry Potter fandom strongly disliked it and I got mad at that because I felt like you know ethically like I was pro-gay marriage we were going to be pro-Slash what, what's wrong with Slash it's the same um, thing it's the same thing okay I was you know it was early Harry Potter no it's, it's you know, that I used yeah absolutely <laughs> but, um, but, but so, you know, that, that didn't exist, I think, quite as much in, in 
zine world because you didn't just click on something and then go, oh, God, boys fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The first time I picked up a zine, I was like, wow, this is, like, straight up exactly what it says on the cover, except (laughs) that, like, there are seven authors inside and I might not know all of them. Right. It's like, now you're like, oh, I'm only going to click on something if I have, like, a rough idea that this author is good based on, like, the summary. Maybe I recognize their name, like, Rex. You pick up a zine, you're like, it's everything. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's funny, because my first experience with Slash was actually a friend of mine had gone looking for something to do with Lord of the Rings, because, like, Fellowship had just come out. And she, like, came and, like, told all of our friend groups that she had discovered, like, there's this weird website online with, like, Frodo and Gandalf fucking stories. And we were all, like, <laughs> which I'm still, like, which is still not a pairing that I'm really down with, like, you know, so many years on. later. <laughs> like, no thank oh you. <laughs> she told you that there was a website with Frodo and Gandalf fucking, and you were like, I better go yes. click on that immediately. <laughs> no, well, well, I was sort of, like, morbidly curious about it. And here's the thing, and she mentioned the name of it, and I went and I looked for it. Like one does, and uh, and like the thing was, it, it was called like the least expected archive, and it had a piece of um fan art on the front of it that was like this really really cute, very nicely done Frodo and Sam thing, which I was like totally all about um because I just seen Fellowship of the Ring, and then I was like oh, and like the visual, and I was instantly like that's what's happening, and I'm apparently 100 percent here for this, and then I read like everything on that archive, all of it. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So my friend accidentally stumbled across it on the internet, but I was more like, I picked it up and I was like, yes, here we go. (laughs) It is really funny the like accidentally stumbling across things on the internet piece. You know, sometimes I wonder like how, like how different of a person would I have been if I had not discovered like BDSM X-Files fanfic at the age of 10, like. That's transformative, man. That's (laughs) transformative. I don't know. It, It was there. Right. Well, I think that also is something that I sort of wonder about in terms of, like, discussion of, like, fandom entering more into the mainstream as time goes on and, like, the internet, you know, subculture becoming less, you know, um, under the rose. Like, maybe there are people who aren't going to accidentally, you know, like, the accidental stumbling, maybe it'll be more like, I heard about this and I'm going to go find it, as opposed to, whoops, how did I, how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> Which, you yeah. know, it's probably a good thing. In some ways. (laughs) In some ways. But, I mean, I feel like I would be reading totally different stuff, or maybe I wouldn't even be in fandom anymore if it weren't for me being like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck did I, hey, I like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do think that there's definitely, like, this thing where people have stereotypes about fandom now, and of course people did have stereotypes about fandom, but I don't think most people knew about fanfic. You know, like, people, it was just a non-entity. Like, if you weren't wearing Spock ears at your convention, then it was like, that's not, what is that? I know Spock yeah. ears. It's, it's not, a, it was not a commonly held expression of fanishness that, like, people recognized, like, outside of the culture. But, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I enjoyed kind of, like, stumbling across it and it sort of being, like, this sort of secret internet-y world. I do, like, there's a part of me that is nostalgic for, like, those times, you know? I don't know. Even though I think there's definitely, like, some good in terms of it moving more mainstream. I mean, but things do sort of say the same, right? I mean, like, I remember having people yell at me when I first came into fandom about how I was a dumb newbie and I didn't know anything about insert, like, flame war that happened in 1970 here. <laughs> and... And I'm, now I'm doing that. I'm yelling at people about, like, how they don't know about this flame war that happened in 2000 <laughs> and what do they expect to get off my lawn. Right. 
starting with like everyone who's like, oh, Cassie Claire, and everyone like, <laughs> her name is like, no, we aren't talking about that. We just aren't talking about it. And it's not, it's a closed subject. Like, I don't care what right. you think. <laughs> no, it, no, and there's no reason, like, I don't care what you think about it. Like, we just aren't talking about that ever again. Like, nothing good comes of it. You have your opinion or you don't know, and then, like, let's just leave it. <laughs> and if you don't know, you're of a different time. <laughs> I had this hilarious interaction, so I don't know if it's appropriate for me to tell it, but hello, darling. Intern. So I have a darling intern who I love very much, and uh, she uh, is in college. And when we first met, one of my business partners introduced me to her as someone who would be a good intern for me. And it's like the penny dropped, and she realized that I was flourish. She was list- like in bad penny. Uh, and we had this in our first meeting and I was like oh god the internet will never die fandom it stays with you kids be careful otherwise someday you may be a real adult and have someone like coming back at you with your high school drama (laughs) no it gets super bad there was a class in my high school that was like graphic tech where you would like do printing press shit and like whatever one of the projects was making business cards I was like yeah I have a website so obviously, <laughs> I made business cards. cities, right? No, like a, fire? I owned my own domain and I had like coded okay. it myself. You were you were advanced, fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm for reals. Um, <laughs> so I made it, and then it did not occur to me that the thing that everyone in my school would do immediately after this happened was like throw their business cards all over the halls of the school, and everyone would just grab whoever's right. So I'm in, like, grade 10 or 11 at this point, and some, like, grade 9 comes up to me and is like, excuse me, are you so-and-so? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I love your fanfic. I've been reading it for, like, three years. And I was like, this is, this is too, I just, it crossed the line. I can't, we can't, I have to go. <laughs> Disaster. But it's funny, too, because I feel like if somebody did that now, it would be like, oh, great, thank you. You know, like, it wouldn't even be, like... This is my secret life. I think it would depend right. on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes are slightly different. That's a, <laughs> slightly. I don't know. It just depends mm-hmm. on what industry you work in and stuff, right? Oh, my right. God. But it gets weird, too, right? Because I work in the entertainment industry, and I've been hanging out with Orlando Jones a lot, and I realized that even though I really want to be in Sleepy Hollow fandom, now that is dead to me. Like, okay, it just, it's not, that's too weird. I cannot do that. We should probably talk a little bit about GeoCities, a.k.a. GeoShitties. And, uh, <laughs> Angel have, for, for Yeah, just because we've brought it up a little bit. Well, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how much there is to say. I think, like, one thing that was kind of cool about it is that it was sort of very easy to, like, figure out how to do that yourself, which I kind of appreciated. Like, I still, like, know all of my HTML coding comes from, you know, those times back in the day when I had a really crappy GeoCities website. Because you would do the bulk like, of it in, like, YZWig, right? <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. What you see is what you get. Yes. yes. And then you would, like, <laughs> tweak it in the HTML, and that would teach you to, like, figure out some of the code. You'd be like, oh, that's what that means. That thing I deleted makes a table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the other funny thing about GeoCities was that they had these, like, neighborhoods, right? Do you remember this? Where, yeah, like, you yeah. would sign up for a site, and, like, I think I was in the Enchanted Forest or something. And, uh, and and the neighborhoods were supposed to have some sort of community, but they never actually did. They didn't align with anything. It was very right. strange. Well, there was but the, there were, like, web rings. That was sort of, like, the closest uh, you got to it. 
web rings oh my web god rings. The worst. you could like join a web ring and they would all link you you could basically just go randomly clicking through everyone's like random website about a certain topic or fandom or character or whatever they were always so incredibly disappointing <laughs> yeah no i mean it was, it was it was kind of like largely garbage but eh, yeah. i don't know i appreciate it I will say was, the, sorry the the one neighborhood that probably made sense on geocities was anything japanese related was pretty much guaranteed to be an anime website Right. Right? Like, yeah, if you were in, like, true. Tokyo Flats, that's definitely mm-hmm. anime. That's mm-hmm. true. Um, but, you know, the other thing about this is there were all of these sort of, like, conventions for graphics and so forth that we just don't have now. Like, sort of, like, internet bumper stickers. Do you remember those? Yes. And, yes. like, banner sizes and stuff. I mean, obviously we have stuff like that now, but it's all, like, Tumblr. You know, you're going to make your GIF a certain size, otherwise it won't show up right. Right. Um, well, it's, it's sort of kind of like... um what I always think of in terms of like, like live journal icons where you have your 100 by 100 like little square and so then you have to, there's a certain kind of like art that comes about from designing something within that limited framework and then yeah. when the framework changes, the art changes and like you, you learn how to do different things and like the limitations spawns a certain kind of creativity and then like the limitations change and like you have to build around a new different model and so I don't know. I will say it's still weird to me when I, like, make a Twitter icon or whatever, and they're like, 100 by 100 is too small. And I'm like, that is standard icon, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. It's true. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, like, I... It's sort of kind of just baffling even to me, like, looking back, thinking about that time, like, how did you ever find anything? But I feel like you you generally... You did. Everyone did somehow. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, it always somehow worked out. It well, and then take... there, and then there was like FF.net, and like I can't really like overstate the importance of FF.net to my fanish experience. Like when I was like ten years ago, or like fifteen years ago, you know, well, like I mean, FF.net was smaller, right? Yeah, no, it definitely was. But I, I for like Harry Potter, like when I was in like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings fandom, like back then when I was on there, like it was like. One, it was finally, it was like one of the the first times, I think, where you could go to like one place and find all of the things that you wanted to in like one website. Which previously did not really exist, you know, like you'd have to like check this archive and that archive and go to this Yahoo group and check this thing and then check your email and like whatever. And then whereas like, that was like the first time I ever got into the habit of like, you know, Waking up in the morning and being on my school library and looking at FF.net, don't do that. That's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You know. No, but the, there really time. was a time because it was like the first. It was like the first really big multi-fan mega, it was like a mega archive, right? But, but the other thing was, you know, I mean, again, I, I keep telling people, like, and this goes back to like why we don't talk about Cassie Clare is that people don't understand how small fandom was. Like in Harry, like in Harry Potter world, in like two thousand one or two thousand two, if you had a hundred live journal friends, that was a lot. Yeah, like yeah. a lot. If you had four hundred, you were Cassie. You know what I mean? You were like the biggest of the big name fans. And, and you know, on fanfiction.net, there was a time when I had read literally, I had literally read every single Harry Potter fanfiction that had been posted on fanfiction.net. That is amazing. Like, uh, I, I, I clap for you. Like, I, mean, I don't know, like, how admirable that one is, but, like, I'm impressed. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was easy because, like, you know, when I actually, like, so the first fanfics that I posted in Harry Potter World were um, on this this HTML website, and the archivist got bored of it and was like, everybody move to fanfiction.net. So on another, in, a, in another life, in another, you know, with another account, I had, like, posts, I had fix on the first page of Harry Potter fanfiction.net. So, yeah. like, it was easy because you would just wake up in the morning and literally read every fic. Yeah. You no, could and, just 
read everything. Yeah, well, and I think I came to it maybe like a little later. This would be more like two. I don't know. I guess it was sort of like two thousand. But like, in you could do rudimentary like filtering, with like pairings and or not even <laughs> pairings, but like characters and stuff. Yeah. And that's when they still had the porn on there, like officially. And, uh, <laughs> yes. No, but, but you can literally back just like up halcyon days. Back in the halcyon days before they they the great purge. Um, <laughs> But, like, wait, wait, wait. But no, but you, you guys, really could just wait. go check it, and, like, you would know that, like, most of the stuff, like, a lot of people would be updating that. And, like, and I wasn't really, especially, I think, like, I think there were a couple, like, I mostly just read Slash at that point, and I know, like, the het communities definitely had their own archives, and there was, like, fictionality, obviously, like, you know, Sugar Quill and all of those things, but... Your Tower, another thing. Tower, yeah, but those were a lot of more, like, het communities seem to be, like, elsewhere, and, like, I think almost all, like, the Slash pick, at least... Besides, like, um, the really messed up stuff that mostly was on, like, you know, private archives and, like, because Harry, Harry Potter had a lot of fucked up porn. Like, you know, That's you need our pictures, but a lot of fucked up porn. But, like, most of the stuff it was there. Like, and it, so it was, like, all in one place and you could catch up and you could feel like you sort of had, like, read everything that was out there to be read on that particular day. Yeah. Which is, which is an, an interesting experience. So, like, you weren't, no, not really as much, like, groping around, like, checking five million different things. It was it was sort of, I think, like, on its way to becoming centralized, and I feel like that was part of the pattern, and it became, fandom sort of became more and more centralized, and then recently it started fragmenting again, and, like, the cycle kind of continues, but yeah. I don't know. I yeah. will say there was a long stretch there where I only had, like, shitty cottage summer internet for a long, like, every summer it was, like, two months of hell with, like, dial-up, and I was really into Gundam Wing Slash, and uh, I had memorized the IP address of the archive I wanted to go to because it was more reliable. And oh my then god! It wouldn't like in the it would never show up in the address bar when my mom started typing in a different website. Right? Oh my god! You sneaky thing! Right? I was like, oh yeah, like one nine two dot. Let's do this. Come on. <laughs> MK, good for dedication. <laughs> wow. That was sneakiness to a level that I did not even know. That's what happens when you're on a shared family computer and you really want to read gay porn all day. (laughs) (laughs) Nature finds a way. Nature finds a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. And I think, I I do think though, like also the great purge was sort of interesting at least because it, it it was at least for me, my first experience. I think one of the things in terms of having like big, one general social, like one, sorry, centralized place where everyone was putting their stuff and, like, commenting. And, like, FF.net had, like, you know, comments on chapters and, like, you could do things and, like, bookmark things. And it, it had all this sort of functionality that, like, at the time was probably, like, the one of the, you know, was, was really kind of almost, like, revolutionary in terms of, like, that kind of stuff. But also, like, when they kicked all the NC-17 fic out, it was the first experience that I had of, like, the powers that be who run this internet place where I live on are basically trying to like put the boot down on fandom and make us stop doing things because you know, it's, you know, somebody think of the children or whatever reason it was at that time. And, um, which is funny because they were, I mean, they were fandom. It was just part of fandom, not wanting another part of fandom, you know? Right. Absolutely. But like, <laughs> but I think like, 
but I think you sort of, you do, that That was sort of like the, at least for me, the first of many experiences were like live journal trying to like fuck over this and make this not happen or like, right. you know, and like Twitter, like, or whatever, Tumblr is like trying to break this functionality and like the powers that be who run this website like hate fandom and so we have to go like, you know, and like there, there's some sort of weird, I think, like thread that goes through like the history of fandom, especially as you start like, as fandom is sort of coalesced onto like bigger, like one website to do whatever it wants to do of having like the powers that be being like, no, we're going to fuck you over. And then fandom getting really pissed off and like, you know, like strike through. Does anyone remember that? Like, I oh, yes. <laughs> like oh. <laughs> live journal strike through. And like, so I feel like it just kind of like happens and it's something that doesn't really, um, didn't, wasn't even able to exist when you're talking about like zines and stuff like that, where it is just solely like fandom produced content, fandom distributed, fandom consumed. You know? That's not entirely the case, right? Because like people yeah. got in trouble for like sending slash zines to Australia. I don't know if you guys oh, really? like know about it. No, I mean, actually, this was no, this was a big deal because you couldn't send pornography across across national borders. You weren't the supposed to. Customs would fuck you guys over. That's great. completely. I mean, people could get in serious, serious trouble in Australia for receiving gay porn. And right. um, I mean, this is a little bit like that was the thing I immediately thought of when we heard about you know like the Chinese girls who are in trouble for uh, for making. Uh, slash things, right? right? I, I thought, oh my god, it's, you know, it's 1980 and we're in Australia. Um, wow. So, so, I mean, I think there's also a level, though, which is, like, this is also related to the connection between fandom and, you know, uh, people who are trying to make money, right? Yeah. Because, right. like, you, the two things you would think, like, could coexist really well, and sometimes they do, but then sometimes it's like, you know, there's this functionality that Tumblr has that's I mean, I don't know the details on this, but I bet that it's, like, a, a money-based decision, right? Like, we don't want to spend money on X thing because it's killing us in hosting or whatever, so let's break it. And right. the whole reason Phantom wants it is because, you know, they get it for, we get it for free, and we want to use that. Tumblr, come on, right? Right. So. Good. Let me post my tag fic. I want to, like, write a tag that goes on for a million. I don't care how long, how much, you know. <laughs> How much this fucks your coding on the back end? I need to write 20 million words in my tags about this diff. I will say that that's, like, the kind of thing that drives, like, a new kind of website or a new service, right? Like, it's the push yeah. between, like, the censorship and you wanting something new, and it will find a way. The same way that I was typing in right. a fucking IP address every day. Like, <laughs> you will figure that shit out. You'll get around somebody. it. There's a workaround. There's yeah. always a workaround. Somebody yeah. will make an extension or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Actually, you know, I thought it, that going back there, though, I think, like, the interesting, the concurrence for history of fandom and, like, the history of the censorship of fandom would actually probably be, like, almost worth an episode in and of itself. But. This is sort of our light version of that. Yeah. This is like, hey, are you old? Are you not old? Do you want to hear olds talk about old? <laughs> when I was your age, we had to walk both ways uphill in the snow to get fan fiction. Like, come on. For God's sake, I'm only 27. Am I not old? <laughs> in fandom years, I am ancient. It's like dog years. It's not even like yeah. that. It's like a weird thing of like the shit that was around 10 years ago is so drastically different from what's around today. And well, it's just like that exponential mean, growth of technology. Well, yeah, and you know what? Also, like one thing I think that it's 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 interesting to sort of go through the different like technological like distribution like internet places of fandom, like you know, Fnet, Live Journal, um, you know, Archive of Our Own, and Tumblr and Twitter these days. But I think what's also like an interesting thing to talk about um, is the way in which the actual like content has changed and like the way that 
thick. I mean, it's probably easier to see, like, and you were talking about, like, graphics earlier. And that's definitely something that has shifted as fandom has, like, migrated to different places over time. But also, like, the writing and the stories that you're reading, um, they have definitely changed. And, like, I definitely think that there, there's, like, a very clear point for me where I'm, like, this is sort of what I would call a more modern fandom and more modern fic. And then stuff, like, before that dates in a way that is, like, almost unrecognizable, you know, where, like, these people are doing things and, like, you're sort of are there, but, like, their, their motivations and, like, the stuff and the tropes that are around them are just kind of, like, one step removed from, you know, and... Yeah. You know, like, and for me, at least, like, Due South, I think, like, in my in my, my personal fanish timeline, Due South, for me, is, like, the sort of first, like, modern fandom um, where, like, you're looking at a lot of the same sort of, like, AU tropes because, you know, and in the way that the characters act and, like, the dynamics of the relationship and, like, the the less, like, super um, fetishized topping and bottoming in terms of, like, their slash pairings or, like, you know, it's a little more, like, flexible and, like, more, like, more of a queer sensibility than, like, a more, you know, I don't know, 1970s porn sensibility. I don't even really know how to describe it. But, like, if, but if I read, like, Sentinel thick and anything that sort of came before that, like, there's a certain level of, like, this is, this is sort of, like, this is my grandma's slash. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, it's totally like, kind of what I want, like, but it's not, it doesn't read the same way. There's, like, a weird thing, like, if you've ever gone back and tried to read stuff that was written when original Trek was big... Oh, yeah. Can't even do it. Can't even do it. Well, I can, and I have, but, like, every time it's sort of, there's an anthropological, like, this is just, this is interesting. (laughs) This is quite interesting, yeah. It's, it's weird, right? They'll describe Kirk as, like, a golden god, and everything sounds the way that 70s television looked. Mm -hmm. And, like, they're really concerned (laughs) about, like, being gay or being straight, whereas now that's less of an issue in fanfic. Right. Uh, the same way that, like, Don't Ask, Don't Tell is no longer a thing in fandom. And if you weren't in fandom, like, seven years ago, you're like, Don't Ask, Don't What? Yeah. Whereas, like, if you were an SGA, like, prior to that, that was, like, that was, there was an entire subgenre of SGA fic that was well, all related to DADT. had just started when yeah. DADT was, like, yeah. abolished, and it was a huge deal. And now it's like, yeah, who cares? Well, there's also, there's also, like, the holdover thing, too, right? Like, I mean, I was mentioning before Leslie Fish's The Weight, which I'll never stop loving, because, like, it's it's definitely, it's something, you know, that you have to, right now, you have to encounter it in zine form, and it's this it's this long original track novel, but it was written sort of later. It was written, like, in the 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leslie Fish also wrote, like, most of the classic silks. She's a fandom you know, legend. Uh, but it's weird because it has all the stuff you guys are talking about in the sense of just feeling slightly off or slightly different from what's being written now. But it's still, like, really engaging. And, and you're like, I know why people read this. I understand. But it's so weird. And I think it just sort of points to the way in which, like, fandom is always sort of trying to, like, process things around them and, like, you know, push, reacting to things and, like, trying to figure out, well, what if this? And, like, and obviously stuff that is, like, in the context of, like, the 70s and 80s and even 90s, like, you're looking at a different, you know, if fandom is trying to, like, subvert things, then, like, it's subverting a different kind of, you know, different kind of, like, canon, and it's doing it in a different sort of environment. So, like, obviously, like, the end product is going to look a little different than what, you know, we're used to even though, like, the mechanism is still sort of the same, and, like, you're still, like, it's still, like, dudes fucking, but it's just, like, it's a different flavor of dudes fucking. I don't know. I, I It's difficult to describe, at least for me. It's one but. of those things where I think of fan fiction sometimes as very similar to early sci-fi and fantasy, where it's, like, how can we 
just process of this contemporary social issue. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's like the whole point of Star Trek, and a lot of the time it's the point of fan fiction. Aside from the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I like to think about it as like, you know, fan fiction is like taking taking a story and then using it as a tool to think about the world and expressing your thoughts, right? Like a lot of Harry, like that's part of why so much of Harry Potter fan fiction was so much fucked up porn, right? right. Because, um, and God, you know, now I work with Warner Brothers occasionally and I feel like saying this on a podcast is probably terrible, but why the hell it's true, right? So, okay, a lot of Harry Potter fanfic is this really fucked up porn, but part of that is because it's like, here are these stories which have so many different pieces of, of, you know, so many different things that can hook up to different tropes in the world. And, it, and it's such rich fodder for, you know, just imprinting whatever you're thinking about onto that source text. It, it almost has nothing to do with Harry Potter in the end. No, no, it could, it could have been anybody. And like, in like a lot of that stuff is the sort of thing where like that, those stories are like the same kind of thing that you could find on some like kink meme today. And like, you could just find, replace all that stuff. Like, you know, and it, it would it would be. I mean, granted, there's there's weird like porn. There's been weird like porn tropes that have like emerged since that time that did not exist back then. Um, uh, cough, nodding, cough. But like, <laughs> but you know, but I mean, like a lot of the a lot of the fundamental dynamics do definitely. You know, it's it's the same sort of thing. I don't yeah. know. You, you see, like snary fandom, like you know, wander over to the next thing. Right. And it's like, okay, that's still snary. It's just snary in sheep's clothing. Or <laughs> right. Maybe snary with something else in. <laughs> yeah. Right. We just keep reinventing it in a different way, as Finn tends to do. Well, this is like, let's talk about a couple other platforms. Um, right. I think was, LJ is obviously important to talk about. LJ is kind of a huge deal for people who weren't on it. Live Journal was a blogging platform. I guess is it technically still exists <laughs> <laughs> in the hands of the Russians. <laughs> yeah, right. the Russians now own it. Um, and it was like what we would like a standard blogging network now, but like that's where all of fandom was when I was in university and stuff. It also had elements of the social network, though, right? Because you would have your blog, basically, but then you could also friend people. And do and, comms. And, and then you could, you could walk posts to just your friends. So it became very political who was your friend and who wasn't. And you could even make, uh, like, you know, lists of people. So it was a little bit like um, Google Plus had a baby with Tumblr, except with fewer images. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think there was also, there was an interesting, and then there were communities, and people would post stuff, you know, to fit communities, and you could friend communities, and if you're interested in one thing, you could be like, I'm interested in this, and there's a community, and so everyone who posts this thing, I'm going to see it on my, my friend's page, and so there was sort of, like, a way to do that, but I think, like, one thing that I feel like people, uh, that was nice about it was, it was still also, like, a, let me talk about my day, it was still kind of a, or this is happening to me, so you sort of, there was more of a way to get to know people and like, cause they were talking about like stuff that happened to them in a more like, you know, Oh my God, this, you know, this happened or whatever, or like this hilarious story happened to me or like, I just watched this episode and let me of this show and let me like write about it. And, um, and then you could talk to them in the comments and there was definitely sort of like the social, like finding out who people were and like stuff that was going on with them outside of just like you write fake and that's all I know about you there. It was a lot easier to kind of, find that out about someone see i think this is like the the evil in me where i'm like i don't want to know who my neighbors are and like at least <laughs> 70 percent of the time like i don't want to know about your real life unless we're right. really good friends like if that develops awesome then i want to know about it but until then i'm like shh 
just let it happen. <laughs> but like 90% of the time, people weren't really talking that much no. about their real life. I mean, I think that some right. people did a little bit, but, but at the time it was still very much like, you know, don't tell anybody about your real life or else the ax murderer on the internet will come to get you. Right. And, or like my friend letter C said, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, and everything was all under like, if you were talking about things that happened to you, you were never using anyone's real name. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, completely. Right. Yeah. And I mean, of course, you could talk about your other friends on Live Journal, though, and you could talk about their names. So, so things sort of became more about like gossip between people, and everybody was always back channeling on IM, right? So it's not right. like this was the only way you were communicating with people. You'd become friends with them, and then you would exchange IM, and that was like getting closer, you know? Like you might yeah. be friends with somebody, but then you would exchange IM addresses, and you'd just talk to them all the time, and sometimes yeah. you'd post your transcripts. Right. Do you look how funny we are? Huh? <laughs> you go sure here. But um but no, what I what I think though is interesting about like LJ is that, is I feel like that it was actually it was built to be a blogging social sort of social media's website, like social website that fandom kind of co-opted and ended up using as like for like fic and like fandom community interaction. But I think like the whole it having its bones being like a social website kind of like did I think impact fandom in the way that people, you know, you know, even if you weren't talking about like everything that happened to you, there was a certain level of like, you feel like you knew somebody or like their personality or like, you know, things like that, which is, I feel like not necessarily something that's as easily to, you know, you can't glean it as, as well in like the current environment. That's one of those things if that, that makes we sense. still get, we still get emails like relatively frequently. They're like, how, how do you make friends in fandom now? now that yeah. That, is, that is something that Prue wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> I don't know. All of my friends are from 10 years ago. <laughs> right. I stopped making friends a while ago. I don't know what to tell you. See, people. <laughs> I've made a couple of friends recently, but it's like through Tumblr. And I feel like in that way, like you can just, you just have to start like Tumblr messaging someone, which is a really fucking weird way to communicate. Yeah. Well, you can go to cons too. I mean, like if you have the money and time and so forth and you are, yeah, I, I would actually, I would, <laughs> I would super recommend cons because I think there's also like, at least for me, like I, I like clicking with people in person and because there are definitely people where, you know, you click really well online and then you meet them in person and it's just not like not the same or like yeah. vice versa where somebody that you're like, never would have been friends with you if I just known you on the internet because we don't like the same things or who knows what. And then you meet them in person. You're like, this is, this person is great. And, um, I like having the real life face component to it. And I think like I've met some of my best random friends via basically real life interactions from going to cons. Yeah. Or alternatively fan romance. Yeah. Which is true. But, um, but I think, I think you can make friends on Tumblr. Like when I first got on Tumblr in like 2010, like I've, it's almost been four years, which is, which is appalling, um, <laughs> appalling. Like, but I was on there and I, it actually like, not many of my like extant fandom friends were on there at all. So like, I ended up making a whole different set of like Tumblr friends and like you do it through like messaging and like reblogging somebody's posts and saying something or like whatever. And there, there are ways to do it. And like, I definitely did like naturally make friends on that website um, just solely through that website because of people who had similar interests to me. And, um, yeah, I think you can do it. People find a way and like, just because, and it's not necessarily something that like comes super like, I don't know, maybe it's not as, I don't know, like people who are on that website and who spend a lot of time there and are comfortable in that environment will like the social thing will happen. And like, if somebody's interested in the same thing that you are, like, yeah, you know, so even if the mechanics are different, I don't know. 
Yeah. So this is going to sound really bad, but I actually highly recommend getting into a flame war to make friends on Tumblr. Um, and that sounds so that is terrible. true. But actually, like, all of my really good friends are people who I was, like, in a flame war and we happened to be on the same side. And, like, some of those friendships now, like, I've been friends with people for, like you know, 15 heading to 20 years, like the baby that they were about to have now is an almost an adult, you know, oh my like, God, like what happened, but, but it all happened. Like I didn't even like them before we started to be on the same side in the flame war. And I think that in Tumblr, like Tumblr you know, is so wanky sometimes that it, I, it just, it does help. <laughs> I, I actually, I'm going to agree with you because I think a lot of my first, my first Tumblr friends were people that I, specifically befriended because someone was being dumb and they were shutting that person down and I was like, I like you. <laughs> um, In Game of Thrones but, fandom, this works especially well. <laughs> yeah, no, not necessarily no, like, I, I mean, depending on your wank tolerance, it may not be, like, a good method for <laughs> Um, and if you have a low wank tolerance, then you should just probably not be on Tumblr in general. Um, sorry, friends. Why are you in fandom in general? <laughs> like, uh, you know. You but that point somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I do think Tumblr is like Tumblr has actually started like they have, as you mentioned earlier, broke broken some of the social functions, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. Um, and like Tumblr messaging has always been like dodgy as heck, and like I don't know, eats messages and like. But I think you can make make friends, and then like share emails, and then talk on email and chat, like yeah, and then meet up in real life. I don't know. If it's possible, which I know it's not possible right? for everyone. Right. People who like publicize their chat room thing on Tumblr. Like, I think that's actually a really good idea that we should do more of having live chats. Yeah. You know, actually, you know, it's interesting. I recently started because I was bored. I started getting into um, reading Downton Abbey fic. Um, good job. And I get that. bored a lot and I fall into down to random fandom corners. And one of the more recent ones I did was Downton Abbey fic. And they actually have something where they have a Skype chat. Um, where they have a Skype group chat, so they use the messaging function on Skype to have, like, a giant group chat, so, like, if anyone can sort of just wander in and join and, like, bat around thick ideas and, like, you know, um, and it's weird because I, I don't really, I haven't made any friends in it and I haven't really, like, been socially, like, I haven't reached out to anybody in there, um, but, you know, it, there is kind of, and I know, like, some other random, like, pairings that I've seen, like, I know, like, Clint Coulson pairing in, like, Marvel fandom definitely has, like, a giant, like, group chat that they have and like everyone just kind of like comes and hangs out and like you know yeah yeah you we can used to do, that, do it we used to do that on yahoo groups also like that yeah. was a thing but i feel like it sort of fell for whatever reason like fell a little bit by the wayside um i don't know maybe that's not true maybe i just haven't noticed them <laughs> possible yeah i don't know i mean Might also i think be like fandom specific mm-hmm like, right. maybe Downton Abbey and Avengers are doing it, but not, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, th- I think, like, Downton Abbey, the particular, like, pairing that I was talking about in Downton Abbey is, like, it's a very small community. Like, I would say, like, there's there's maybe, like, 50 people tops who are, like, really doing anything in that, that like, in the entire freaking world. So, like, it is small. And, like, Clint Coulson was always sort of, like, a weird kind of, like hipstery boutique like non I don't know like not didn't start out as a mainstream pairing because you know those two characters have never interacted in canon beyond like one like five minute scene in Thor like and then they randomly you have five whole minutes they've interacted no, five minutes is actually an exaggeration it's literally like it's like three lines of a phone call like and that's the only interaction they have in MCU canon but like people were like whatever we're taking this and we're running with it and it, and it is like a fairly like weirdly popular pairing but 
I don't think it started out that way. So I think it did kind of start off as sort of like small. And when you're talking about like weird, tiny, like communities within like a larger fandom, I think like people kind of, I think maybe are doing that in terms of, you know, finding like-minded individuals when, when it is like a small manageable community, which like some fandoms are just so huge and sprawling that like, it doesn't even make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Though yeah. all of that just makes me be like, are you like the biggest like fandom hipster? Is that like your Me? Yes. Because <laughs> that was amazing. You're like, well, it's, it's, you know, you might be too mainstream fandom. <laughs> well, you know, like, you know, I, you know I'm like, I'm Mary Contrary in this. I'm a total fandom hipster. And if, if it's popular, I don't like it. Like, whatever. <laughs> I can't. You know, it's just my thing. It's great. But, um, but yeah. Good job. Uh, so I was the girl who shipped Ron Draco. Draco back in the day. Whatever. Oh, Ron Draco, my God, burnt the witch. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and like, even more random stuff, too. Yeah. So let's just um, one real question that we got was Zenicus wanted somebody to briefly explain what IntelliSlashers are to the youth. <laughs> and that's on you, Flourish. Well, I don't know that I want to. So I was saying this beforehand. I don't know that I want to answer that question. I think that the, the, the quickest and most... Um, the easiest way to say it is there was a sort of clique of people in Harry Potter fandom around, like, I guess 2003 or so. Uh, and I'm not going to name names about who was in it, mostly because I'll forget somebody or include somebody who wasn't or whatever. And I'll get angry Twitter messages from people saying that I said the wrong people. But uh, they wrote thick that was, you could say pretentious, you could say, like, you know, sort of to a higher uh, degree of interest in, like, you know, literariness, right, as opposed to pulpiness, um, and, uh, and, and they sort of were a little group that existed, and I guess that the term has, like, lived on to describe the type of fic that they wrote, um, but that's all I'm gonna say, I plead the fifth on any knowledge of whiteness that may have happened surrounding this term, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that pretty much wraps us up for this week, unless anybody has any final thoughts. Um, I think like the only final thought I would have is that I think sort of one of the interesting, um, kind of subtext to this, this entire discussion is like our position being like, I remember back when this would happen and sort of operating intention to like young kids who are just getting into fandom today and who are sort of like doing it differently and like the, the get off my lawn or like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Everything is terrible. Like, I don't know. Like, and, um, it, 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 I don't know. I think that that's sort of interesting. And, like, I know a lot of people who are just, like, completely baffled by, like, kids on Tumblr and, like, the entire just, like, shit show of that and, like, weird things that they're doing and, like, I don't know. I am sort of interested to see where it all goes, personally, though. And, like, things that we find cool will not be cool anymore and, like, that's just sort of the cycle of life, you know? And, like, the new generation of fandom people were, like... Who the heck knows? Be writing like dudes fucking on the moon and like I don't know, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 if I give the impression, like I know I joked about like get off my lawn, but if I gave the impression yeah. that I don't like Tumblr or anything, that's wrong. I love Tumblr. I think it's awesome. I'm not very good at it, but that's because I'm the old and not because I don't like it. I love right. other people's Tumblrs, you know. Um, I mean, there are certain things I think that, like, by looking back, you can get, like, some of the concerns with archiving and, like, seeing what happened. Like, you know, those of us who remember the great death of GeoCities, like, I think people are really concerned about what's going to happen when Tumblr ultimately goes kaput. And it will. Right. And 
I think it's really hard to know that it will if you haven't seen like multiple different sure. sort of websites go totally kaput and, and that fanfic be just totally lost, right? Yeah, that that I think that definitely that definitely concerns me too. And like in Tumblr so like ephemeral interview by its nature that it's hard to find stuff that even is still there. Yeah. You know, and let alone like what happens when, you know, that entire website collapse, crashes and burns somewhere down the road. And um I don't know. My final I mean, maybe thought, we don't care, but maybe we do care. <laughs> my final thought would be a hot tip. Back up your shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Save all of your email because you'll care in 15 right. years. One day you're going to want to reread that thing and, you know, and there's something the board will not be around to help you. <laughs> delicious. And do you remember delicious? We didn't oh even talk God, about delicious. Delicious. Uh, <laughs> but, but, like, it's really terrible. The one, I mean, maybe I would say this, like, the back of your shit thing. It's really terrible when someone else has your emails because they've saved all of it and they send you shit and you're like, I said that? I don't remember. I don't have any records of my saying that. Man, that sounded douchey. I don't think I said that. But then, like, they've got it. They know. It's just, it's a bad power imbalance. You don't want that. <laughs> just... Be careful. <laughs> okay, I think that does us for this week. We will be back eventually with another episode, hopefully two weeks. Otherwise, look forward to the Female Gaze podcast. For Slash Report, you can find us at slashreport.tumblr.com, slashreport.com. Um, you know, we're on Twitter and shit. You'll find us. That's all. Yay. <laughs> I bet you wish Prue were here right now to do this properly. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye. We miss her. Goodbye. seconds of silence i will pretend to be prue i'm gonna pretend i'm prue right now and, and put the kibosh on that one <laughs> yeah that's fine all you had to say was like lesbian politics and i'm like yeah I yes <laughs>